Training's hard. Really, really hard. Oh, yeah, the wise words of Tom Herman reminding us that winning is hard, especially when your starting quarterback goes out in the first quarter, especially when your backup quarterback sprains his ankle, especially when you're playing the number one team in the country a one-point loss to Alabama so close from pulling off a historic upset Westcott what a game man yeah you know what else makes uh winning hard cam what's that uh the people in the striped shirts being terrible at their job not mm. ideal a handful of missed calls um the bizarre missed call in the end zone on a safety no intentional grounding you could uh, point at the holding call on Bryce Young's 20-yard run that basically sealed the deal. You had the face mask on Keelan Robinson. You had a face mask on Xavier Worthy, the no-pass interference on Jatavian Sanders. And still, with all the missed calls, Westcott, Alabama had 15 penalties, 100 yards, the most penalized Alabama has ever been since 2002. Yeah, you know, um, the worst gig right now in the world is uh, being an Alabama player or coach after committing 15 penalties. Uh, Will Anderson, uh, one of the top defensive players in the country, certainly the top edge rusher, uh, three offsides penalties in the first half, did redeem himself uh, by blocking uh, that field goal at the end of the half, that crucial miss uh, for Texas on another poor snap from uh, Zach Edwards, who may be uh, straining to keep his job this week over freshman Lance St. Louis, a deep snapper that Texas brought in on scholarship this year. Uh, but uh, certainly the mood around uh, the Bryant football complex uh, is going to be tough uh, for all those coaches and players this week as Nick Saban unloads on them. Yeah, I would love to have been able to see Alabama's practice today. Love to have seen it, especially after, I don't know, I'm sure you, I don't know if you caught a glimpse of it for on the field, uh, but after the final whistle, a handful of Alabama players were out there, horns down, celebrating. And Nick Saban, I thought Nick Saban was going to have a stroke after like the third offside penalty. Um, but the definitely celebration after beating a, a one-point team when you were a 20-and-a-half-point favorite might be another cause for a stroke, but somehow Nick Saban's still alive. Don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it was a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Texas the largest underdog they've ever been in their own stadium, and yet you could make the case they probably should have won. So, Westcott, I'll start off this podcast – we heard about it Saturday after the game, heard about it yesterday, and even Sark talked about today, the rat poison. Is Texas back? No, Texas isn't back. Um, you know, that would require actually winning games. And, and, you know, I think one thing that we learned over the last few years is um, not to overreact to, uh, to one game. Uh, certainly that was the case after Oklahoma in 2016. It was also the case, uh, Sam Ellinger, after the 2018 Sugar Bowl for someone who is so measured uh, throughout his Texas career, I think he, he still regrets those two words standing on the podium, um, you know, at the Sugar Bowl in, in New Orleans. Um, but, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, mentioned this today, you know, Texas set a standard 
in that game for Alabama for how hard they need to play, you know, how well they need to execute, you know, across the board in, in all three phases. Um, they need to continue living up to this, that standard uh, throughout the week. And they also have, you know, a lot to improve upon because, um, you know, they, they hardly played close to a perfect game. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, takeaways. Uh, one of the biggest positives for Texas coming out of this game is that, you know, they didn't upset Alabama because, you know, they'd missed on, on hitting some of those key boxes that you need to check in an upset. Um, but it wasn't one of those situations where Texas played a, a perfect game and, and still come up short, came up short, um, you know, still, still a lot to improve upon a lot of things to get better at. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, with, with what this coaching staff showed and, and the, the culture that the players showed on the field um, that they're trying to build, uh, Texas does look like it, it's headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think the biggest positives are it starts in the line of scrimmage, uh, defensive line and the defensive line. Now, the run blocking could be a little bit better, but considering where this Texas defensive line was at last year, I think the performance from, from Cole Hudson, from basically everyone, Christian Jones, a lot of pluses on the offensive line. And then the defensive line, too, a, a lot of great run stuffs. And, and for the most part of the game, Westcott, for at least the three first three quarters was when Alabama would probably run the ball on first down outside of that 181-yard touchdown and run the, the Jace McClellan, the Texas D-line did a great job of run-stuffing Alabama. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, I, th- I thought that the uh, the Texas defensive line uh, played better than the Texas offensive line did. Um, you know, the last offensive play of the game for Texas, uh, they had some type of uh, protection bust where they failed to block Will Anderson. Um, kind of a big deal uh, to not block Will Anderson. Um, there was another, another uh, more of a coverage sack, which, you know, I wouldn't necessarily put on the, the Texas um, offensive line, but, you know, certainly the, the defensive line was, was really impressive uh, controlling the line of scrimmage. You know, they had the one play where Alfred Collins got pancaked and that allowed um, the right guard for Alabama to kind of clip Jalen Ford, who was scraping into the hole there that resulted in that 81-yard touchdown run um, for Jace McClellan. But you take that run um, out of the game, and, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs, the starting running back for Alabama, nine carries for 22 yards, a long run of nine yards. Uh, so overall, just controlling the line of scrimmage, um, especially the interior defensive line for the Longhorns, uh, Keandre Coburn, uh, Byron Murphy, both played strong games. Uh, Mora Ojimo, you know, also played well. Uh, so really, you know, one of the better performances from the Texas interior defensive line in, in recent years. And, you know, I think really the performance that they put on the field on Saturday, uh, that was the type of thing that we really expected to see from them last season. Um, they didn't produce enough last season, uh, but certainly I, I think they played well enough to show that, you know, Baylor has a really good offensive line, but you know, I think almost everybody else that they play this season, if they play the way that they did against Alabama, uh, they're going to get good results in, in the running game. Yeah, I think if you're a Texas fan, you got to feel really good about this coaching staff and where the program is headed. And I think there's a lot of parallels parallels to the, the 09 championship game, right? You're playing Alabama, Nick Saban's the head coach, and your starting quarterback goes down. And you can make the argument that if the starting quarterback stays in, whether it's Colt McCoy or it's Quinn Ewers, Texas could win that game. But in 09, that was the beginning of the end for Mac Brown and the Texas program, and that, that dynasty, that, that run they had. I think Westcott, 
this is the beginning. This is when we when we really see that okay, Texas not only can contend in the SEC, but they're, they're going to be a real threat. You know, if viewers can come back, they'll be a, a real threat. I think for this season for the Big Twelve title and, and next year for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think first uh, probably try to address uh, some of the injuries. Uh, Quinn Ewers has an AC sprain. Uh, T. Sarkeesian says he's day to day. I'm a little bit skeptical about that. Uh, we'll see later in the week if if maybe Sark will, you know, divulge whether he ends up practicing. I would be really surprised if he practices. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Hudson Card also day to day with his ankle injury. You know, same thing with him. We'll see on Thursday if he's been able to practice. Um, I think he has a much better chance of playing. Bijan Robinson, uh, minor shoulder injury. He's day to day. They might hold him out on Saturday. I would be surprised by that. And then Deshaun Jamison also day to day with an ankle injury. I think he has a good shot of playing. Um, but you know, really impressive start by Quinn Ewers. He was nine of twelve um, passing in that first quarter for 134 yards. Uh, Just a really impressive start by him. Um, Made two really excellent passes to Xavier Worthy, one of them on an outward breaking route. And then the next one on on a 46 yard go route down the sideline. He also almost hit Worthy you know, on a post route, the type of shot play um, that he missed last week. uh, That was such a focus of conversation. It was a little bit too long, and, and it forced Xavier Worthy uh, to dive on on the play in the end zone. He wasn't able to secure the catch, uh, but you know certainly I think that you know Xavier Worthy would say that that he needs to come up with the catch on that play. And, um, you know, another interesting stat that, that speaks to how well um, the Texas defense, uh, pass defense played throughout most of the game. It took until the fourth quarter for Bryce Young to rack up as many passing yards as Quinn Ewers had in less than an entire quarter. And, um, you know, really the, the Longhorns defensive backs held the Alabama wide receivers, um, you know, pretty much productionless throughout most of the game. And, you know, late in the game when, when they were, um, able to create a few more plays. Um, you know, that was when Ryan Watson and Jamison were out. And, you know, I thought that, you know, Jameer Johnson, the sophomore, Austin Jordan, a true freshman who arrived in the summer, you know, they gave up some passing plays, but, you know, they didn't give up any backbreaking explosive plays. And so I think guys that are, are still that young going against the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, I think you'll take that, you know, if you're, if you're Steve Sarkeesian and, you know, just want to make some plays in the margin, like being able to uh, stop that scramble um, by Bryce Young on, on the final drive when, PK dialed up a really good corner blitz call for Ryan Watts, who's 6'3, you know, 206 pounds and a sure tackler. And, you know, Young on that play really showed, you know, why he's such a special player, ducking and being able to get out of that tackle from Watts and then picking up the first down uh, with so much help from that um, that hold on the edge there by the uh, Alabama right tackle. It felt like Alabama really got things moving once. Deshaun Jameson was out, and then Ryan Watts was out. That's when Bill O'Brien – I don't know Bill O'Brien just got more aggressive with his play calling or if just Bryce Young felt more confident. But until Jameer Johnson and Austin Jordan were out there, like you mentioned, a sophomore and a true freshman, Alabama had really no passing game. And Bill O'Brien in offense, I thought they played really conservative, Westcott. Uh, I did understand all the first and second down runs, putting – 
putting Bama in third third downs where they couldn't convert. And a lot of credit goes to PK and the defense. You, you saw Gary Patterson's influence out there as well. So all in all, just an, an incredible, incredible game for the Texas defense. But you know, Bryce Young just started making some big plays. The second to last drive for Alabama, the scoring drive, the touchdown drive, Young went six of eight. And then just a couple the, the touchdown throw, when he was rolling out to his left and he found Jameer Gibbs, I mean, there's only a handful of quarterbacks that can probably make that throw. And that's Bryce Young, a Heisman winner in the NFL, a future NFL quarterback. And the, the scramble for 20 yards, you know, just showed off his athleticism and his ability to evade that sack that I don't know if it completely – if it wins the game for Texas, but it, it forces Alabama to at least burn a timeout and reassess and instead – you know, Young turns that into a 20-yard gain and puts him in chip shot range for Will Riker. Yeah, so that, that play by Young, uh, 35 seconds remaining from the Texas 37-yard line. Um, that would have, if they had called the sack, it would have, um, you know, forced that final timeout. It would have Alabama um, second and about, I think, between 15 and, and 17. I'm not sure exactly where, where Young was at. Probably five to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, I would think. Um, and if it had been a holding call, you know, it would have been uh, first and 20 from the Texas 47-yard line. They wouldn't have had to burn the timeout. Uh, but certainly behind the chains and in danger of not being able to get in, into field goal range at that point. Yep. And you can blame the, the missed call that I've seen a lot of Texas fans upset, and rightfully so, that, you know, the missed call changed the game. And my argument is that you can't use – the missed penalty is an excuse. I, I go back to the five red zone opportunities for Texas: one touchdown, three field goals, and of course the one block. If you're gonna if you're gonna beat the number one team in the country, you can't kick four field goals. You you gotta find a way to punch it in, and you gotta find a way to convert that third down where Hudson Card was sacked by Will Anderson. And two of the biggest plays of the game defensively for Alabama came from Will Anderson, who you could argue had one of the worst games of his career. Yeah, so, um, you know, exactly spot on with uh, the red zone issues for Texas. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian said today, quite frankly, that's kind of the difference in the game. So we have to do a lot of things better down there. Uh, last year, they're really good in the red zone. They're number four nationally in red zone touchdown percentage, 74.5%. They only settled for nine field goals on 47 trips into the into the opposing red zone and failed to score only three times last season. So, you know, last year they weren't missing field goals uh, like they did, you know, an issue in, in, in protection and an issue with the snap. Um, you know, I thought that Texas had some issues uh, running the ball in the red zone. Um, they had the throw from Ewers to Duchavian Sanders when they had him split out, um, trying to hit him on kind of a jump ball situation. They tried to do that again uh, towards the end of the first half. Uh, Alabama was called for a pass interference penalty on the second play. Possible they could have been called for a pass interference penalty on the first play. Uh, but if Ewers had come down to, a, a, you know, one of his secondary reads, 
Yeah, Casey Kane running, um, you know, wide open in the end zone on that play. Sanders was, you know, really well covered, uh, physically covered on that play. You know, those jump balls are, are tough throws. So, you know, as good as Quinn Ewers was going through his progressions last week, you know, I thought that was a ball that he could have come down to. Um, that would have been an easy touchdown. Uh, but just in, in general on those, you know, failed red zone plays and the missed opportunities for Texas, um, I took a look at them um, earlier today with a post that's up on, you know, Burn Orange Nation right now so uh, if anybody wants a deeper dive into that uh, that post is up on the website and how, how much do you think the offense was plagued by just Hudson Card's inability to move around because Sark said on Sunday that your game plan changes when your quarterback can't move and you saw it on the I think it was the longest run of the, the game for Texas with Hudson Card scramble and you could just tell he, he was just hobbling to the sideline on that run yeah, a lot of toughness showed by um, Hudson Card on Saturday. Uh, you know, definitely that run w- was really uh, the biggest example of it. You know, Charles Wright was warming up on the sidelines, and, and Sark said that, you know, it was really drive-by-drive, drive, you know, assessing whether Card could c- continue playing in that game. Uh, but certainly, you know, the downfield passing game uh, just wasn't there. Card, you know, with his lower body being banged up like it was, he just couldn't drive the ball down the field. Uh, really limited what Texas could do. Uh, made them pretty conservative at times. You know, early in the second half, um, there was one drive where they called uh, two gaps gap schemes, um, pin and pull, and then, um, you know, I think it was a guard center, uh, center guard uh, counter um, into the boundary, trying to pick up yards on the ground. And then they called a um, a screen pass, you know, on third down. And so I think that was just kind of an example of how a play caller who's typically really aggressive uh, became a little bit more conservative, trying to avoid mistakes and, and just hoping that Texas could get it going on the ground enough, uh, you know, to really be able to to win the game. Um, but I thought, you know, the final drive by um, Hudson Card, you know, was uh, was really impressive to get that go ahead field goal um, on that play. He had. Um, a pass to Roshan Johnson for 11 yards, a uh, really big pass um, over the middle to Casey Kane um, for 29 yards. And then, you know, fortunately, Texas was able to overcome that that uh, seven-yard sack on, on third and three. And uh, Bert Auburn really, you know, came through with a 49-yard field goal attempt. Um, the only missed field goal that he had on the day was a field goal that was blocked. Uh, that certainly wasn't his fault. Um, you know, as we mentioned, the snap was bad on that play as well. But, you know, really just a, a little bit of insight in, into Bird Auburn and not only his leg, but his ability to deliver under pressure. I thought that 49-yard field goal was really huge for him uh, moving forward and, and just kind of um, demonstrating, you know, his ability to, to come through under pressure. Yeah, that's huge for, for the Texas special teams unit to, to see him be able to hit that under pressure and the only two, the two missed field goals from him so far this season, both not his fault, both bad snaps. And of course, Anderson blocking the ladder, the punting side, Danny Trejo looking like he's going to take over punting duties going forward. He had one ball, he had that one ball that was down at the one yard line. So it looks like Texas is going to rely on the Texas Wesleyan transfer and the update, you know, on the, on the Hudson card situation. And coach was asked who took the ones in practice on Monday. And he said, that's just for me. So Westcott to me, that sounds like, okay, Hudson card is just sitting out of practice right now, trying to rehab that ankle and Charles Wright's taking the ones. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Uh, to go back to Trail for a moment, he also had a, a 61-yarder too, so he kind of um, yeah. grew into the game after a couple punts. I think his first two efforts were both about 35 yards or so, not particularly great efforts. Um, but that that punt, especially down to the one-yard line, was remarkable. That thing hit the one-yard line and, and bounced straight up in the air before you know it was down just about where, where it hit the field. Um, but, yeah, I think – you know, Charles Wright uh, taking starting snaps uh, most likely uh, during Monday's practice. Um, Austin High uh, product who grew up a big Texas fan. Um, he only really ended up in the class because of Quinn Ewers. Um, at the, when Ewers committed to Texas as a member of the 2022 class in August of 2020, 2021 quarterback commit Jalen Milrow from Katie Tompkins uh, quickly flipped to Alabama. Uh, a couple days later, Texas offered Charles Wright. He flipped from Iowa State that day, uh, signed with the Longhorns. Um, he was a guy that when he signed Tom Herman, you know, really praised him, you know, as a guy who has a quick release, could make off-platform throws, um, and, and just the, the courage to make throws into tight windows. Um, had a bit of a rough start to his Texas career, ended up falling behind walk-on Ben Ballad uh, for the third-string spot last fall. Uh, but Sark said today that that he's grown a lot since last year. He understands the offense. He can manage the game. He's more accurate, uh, more confident. And uh, part of the reason that we expect him to stay in that third string role is because uh, Malik Murphy is not healthy, uh, according to Sark. And he didn't go into any further depth about that, whether that's you know the the ankle or the foot that um, that Murphy broke in a, in the state championship game last year. Uh, that that ended his high school career and made it uh, kept him uh, limited throughout spring practice. Uh, but you know, big news on Monday that Malik Murphy is not available um, in that role because of his health. Um, so it'll be the former uh, three-star prospect who who grew up. Um, you know, wanting to start a game at, at Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium, and is probably the odds-on favorite to do that against UTSA on Saturday. Yeah, there's there's a good chance it's going to be Charles Wright starting at quarterback. No Bijan Robinson, and good chance we're going to get a lot of that wildcat formation that we saw just a little bit on Saturday. We saw it a lot last year when, when Casey Thompson and Hudson Card weren't healthy, especially in that Kansas State victory. It felt like, actually, I didn't go back and look at the numbers, but I, I'm, it felt like Texas had more rushing attempts out of the Wildcat formation than Casey Thompson had throws in that win last year. So we've seen it before, and it's going to have to come up big against a UTSA team. Yeah, interesting note on – I think it was the only play that Texas used – uh, the wildcat formation with Roshan Johnson on that play. He had two running backs lined up to him next to him. Uh, the formation that, um, that Brennan Marion, the wide receivers coach used to like to use in his go-go offense when he was at Howard. Uh, so I thought that was interesting that, that they've incorporated that formation, at least on the wildcat. Unfortunately for Texas, that play kind of got blown up. Uh, they might need to show a little bit more diversity in it. That was just kind of a basic zone read, uh, but certainly um, you know, Sarkeesian had to admit after the, the Kansas State game last year that um, they, that the formation was maybe more effective than he thought it could be. Um, I'm not sure how much Texas repped that in the offseason. Having more time during the summer certainly gave them more opportunities, uh, but I would certainly expect them uh, to rep that fairly heavily um, in practice this week. 
because they may need Johnson as a running back in in the Wildcat and just to take some pressure um, off of Charles Wright. Um, I think Roshan Johnson only made one pass out of that formation last season, um, which went he completed um, for two yards. Yeah, one pass uh, completed for two yards uh, last season. Uh, certainly possible that, that Texas uh, sees more of that on on some kind of, uh, you know, simple throws this weekend just to try to get them out of the UTSA game and, and see if one of yours or Card will be back for the Big 12 opener against Texas Tech in, uh, in Lubbock in a little less than two weeks. Yeah, and back on that Quinn Ewers injury, it's the same injury that Ben Roethlisberger had in 2012. And when you think of Big Ben, you think of just you know one of the toughest players in NFL history. He missed three weeks with that sprain, just a timeline. Now, we don't know. Sark didn't give us really any update on, on Ewers today. He just said day-to-day, which you know I find it hard to believe, but maybe that's the case. There was reports that Ewers was in a sling on Saturday. Is there... Is there any truth to that, West Scott? Yeah, he he did when he initially came out of the um, out of the locker room. He didn't have a sling on his arm. Um, by the end of the game, he did have a sling. Um, Sark said today that there wasn't anything structurally damaged or any any uh, ligament damage to any of the players. Um, just parsing that a little bit a little bit further, um, you know. Uh, like a grade two sprain could have some ligament damage, not, you know, obviously it's not a fully torn ligament, but there could be some tears in that ligament um, in that AC joint. Um, that's difficult to know right now uh, based off of what Steve Sarkeesian said pub- publicly. Um, the reports on Sunday indicated that it could be anywhere from two to six weeks. Um, if he's day to day, I think there's a possibility that it's closer, um, you know, to two weeks than six weeks. But um, right now it's all very speculative because uh, Steve Sarkeesian just um, really not wanting to share too much in the press conference today. Yeah, he kept he definitely keeping it under wraps and what's your level of concern for texas and this texas san antonio game because it's it's always been talked about as a trap game a letdown game especially after alabama i mean the emotional and physical hangover from from that game like i mean texas left everything on the field so now you you worry a little bit you're already worried about going into this game regardless of the health but now without yours we don't know if hudson card will be good to go it sounds like texas will be without deshaun jameson the number one quarterback and possibly the number one running back so westcott where is your level of concern for saturday i think it's certainly concerning um i imagine that those four guys four guys aren't the only ones who are banged up extremely physical game um, on Saturday against Alabama. Um, certainly those guys will need to spend extra time um, on the training table this week, um, you know, receiving treatment, trying to make sure that their bodies are right. Um, I think it, at this point, um, Texas just isn't good enough to expect that they'll be able to win easily. I think they're aware that UTSA, UTSA went 11-2 and two last season, um, that they're well-coached. <coughs> Excuse me. They're well coached by uh, <clears throat> by Jeff Trailer, and um, I expect that they'll be ready to play this weekend. Yeah, Frank Harris 
top 10 in the country in passing yards. Absolutely lit up Army. Uh, they played two games so far this season, and both came in, both were overtime results. They they beat Army in overtime last week, and then they lost to, uh, I want to say, Houston in week one, right, in overtime, three overtimes, right? They beat Houston in week one. They, they beat no, wait, Houston. No, they they lost to Houston and they beat Army. Army, yes. Yeah, so I think they're one and one going into going into this week. Yeah, and the the line is I think thirteen. Yeah, it was is, thirteen and a half yesterday. Yeah, in DraftKings, I'm not sure if that moved today. Yeah, thirteen and a half. Uh, Jeff Trailer, the head coach, and his his Monday press conference this morning said that's it. Should be more. <laughs> But back to back to Alabama. Uh, any other any other thoughts from from Saturday's game? I thought Jalen Ford bounced back with a nice game. Yeah, uh, didn't have a tackle uh, against Louisiana Monroe. Certainly, that was disappointing with all the hype around him. Um, you know, during the off season. Um, you know, obviously he had that, that play early that resulted in, in Texas giving up that 81-yard touchdown run uh, to Jason Clellan, the Aledo prospect. Uh, but Ford finished with 10 tackles to lead the team. Six of those were solo. He had one sack on a blitz on, on third down that was nicely dialed up by PK, uh, just completely running three, uh, free through the middle of the Alabama offensive line. He had another tackle for loss and also had another quarterback hurry. So, you know, strong game from, from Jalen Ford and one that I think, you know, Texas really needed from him um, to feel solid about that middle linebacker position moving forward. Yeah, and Ford had zero tackles in week one against ULM. And people were wondering, you know, what's that about? Well, he, he responded, led the team in tackles and just overall defensively. I mean, you only allowed 20 points to one of the most explosive offenses in the country. And obviously, it's not the best wide receiver unit the Nick Saban's ever had, but still they were aggressive. I, I thought, and I thought that the safeties did a good job. Didn't give up any really big plays. The one big play was that 81 yard touchdown run, but that's it. And I think that's pretty good concerning it's Alabama and, and gives Texas fans some hope for the rest of the season defensively that, okay, PK might be the right guy. Yeah. And I would, I would single out, Anthony Cook as well at the safety position, finished second on the team with nine tackles, six solo, two tackles for loss. Did a great job uh, coming downhill. I thought he was in, you know, good position all game. Um, you know, when when you don't give up any big explosive passing plays uh, to the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, um, you know, a big part of that is that your, your safeties are in good position and not getting beat. Yep, and offensively, Offensive line, I think, looked good. Jordan Whittington had one of his best games of the season. Just you want to see more out of out of the the run game, but how much of that do you think is just a young offensive line or just a really talented Alabama defensive line? I thought it was. I thought it was both. You know, I thought one area that Texas struggled. Um, you know, when they're running their gap schemes and they're pulling guys, uh, they just had too many missed blocks in those situations. Uh, that's something that they need to get cleaned up. Um, you know, I, I think you know that that Alabama defensive line, as we mentioned last week, you know, the best group in the country, 
very difficult to go against, very difficult to get uh, displacement against. Uh, but the offensive line held up well in pass protection. The schemes were good to help out, uh, you know, the tackles on the edge against um, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. Um, you know, those guys didn't have nearly the impact um, that they could have, um, you know, but still still some definite room for growth um, for those young players. And, you know, I, I expect those guys to continue um, getting better every week. Uh, one interesting thing that Trailer said in his press conference, um, he said he thinks Kelvin Banks is, is going to be a first round draft pick. And, you know, certainly Banks has, has played well enough, um, you know, through his first two starts to, um, you know, for that not to be entirely out of the question. The biggest thing I'm looking for now, Westcott, is how does the Texas team respond this week, but also going forward? It reminds me of the 2019 season, right? You lose that heartbreaker to LSU, and Texas rolled off three straight victories before losing to Oklahoma, and that kind of really changed their season. But they also suffered a lot of injuries in that LSU game that really just banged them up. And by the second half of the season, that 2019 team was was really depleted. So how does Texas respond physically? And then also how do they respond on the field against, you know, a really good UTSA team, Texas Tech, new head coach, Joey McGuire, their first, you know, road game of the season, 2.30 start. And then when will Quinn Ewers be back? Is he going to be back in time for Oklahoma? And if Hudson Card's injury is longer than a week, there's just a lot, a lot of, you know, unknowns right now, but, Generally, you got to feel good about the direction of this team and program. Yeah, well, I think physically, Texas is going to have to play a lot of backups again um, against yeah. UTSA due to because of injuries or just trying to to rotate guys out and keep their snap count down a little bit. Um, I thought the backups played well against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, UTSA, a much better team, uh, more experience, more talent. Um, the coaching staff has a little bit more continuity. Uh, Jeff Trailer is certainly one of you know the rising stars in, in the coaching industry. Um, but it, it is going to be you know a real war of attrition this year for Texas. Um, they don't have a bye week until after the Oklahoma State game on October 22nd. So that yeah. means that Texas has eight straight weeks of games to start the season. So six straight weeks of games uh, coming up here for Texas. And, um, you know, it's going to be really difficult to stay healthy for that entire time. Um, You know, especially coming out of games against uh, Texas, uh, against Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are are going to be particularly difficult for the Longhorns. Um, So in, in all likelihood, you know, that depth is really going to get tested this season. Yeah, the, the three-week stretch, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and at Oklahoma State is brutal. Oklahoma State, you know, there's they're a tricky team with a Mike Gundy 2-0 start. Iowa State, not sure about their offense. I think they scored 10 points. They beat Iowa for the first time. And let me just find out. They beat Iowa for the first time since I – I can't even find the, the stat on here, but I know that the Hawkeyes had – when their last basically looks like their last five meetings. So, but still only 10 points. Hunter Decker is a redshirt freshman. Not sure about him yet. And uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. So, yeah, you just you just really hope Quinn Ewers is back and healthy for that three-game stretch. Um, but before we wrap up, of course, we'll, we'll have more on UTSA on our Wednesday spot. Did you want to get any anything about the Aggies at all? Yeah, I mean, well, 
Iowa State 10, Iowa 7, uh, truly an El Asico for the ages. And, um, yeah, tough weekend in, in College Station, losing to App State. Extremely embarrassing video coming out of their Yale practice that um, either the Yale practice kids or the university itself have been uh, sending copyright infringement requests to try to get it taken down. Um, bad look there. Um a couple Texas A&M players said in their Monday press conference that they thought that some guys weren't bought in in practice. Um, a bad sign for the culture in, in Jimbo Fisher's fifth year. And then, um, of course, Evan Stewart retweeting a tweet from last December about from uh, this was a John Tate Cook quote about um, Texas A&M having the players and not the scheme and Texas having the, the scheme and not the players. So, um, you know, I guess uh, maybe somebody needs to go rescue Evan Stewart from College Station. Yeah, College Station could be a dumpster fire, especially if they lose to Miami this week. That'll be a fun game. Uh, always enjoy when A&M talks trash and then they can't back it up, especially losing to Appalachian State. Go Nears, baby. And uh, I mean, a a tough Friday as well. Um, You know, Queen Elizabeth passed away. One of the few people old enough to remember the last time the Aggies uh, won a national championship. (laughs) What is it that the English English monarchy has changed rulers three times since the last Aggies? uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh man! Well, uh, at least including uh, including the the longest um, regime of an English monarch in uh, the country's history. Hey, they'll always have the Alabama win from last year. That's that basically counts as a national championship. Have All they right. claimed one for that? I'm sure they at least have a banner out, right? <laughs> They've got to have a banner. They got to have something out for that. Uh, but who knows how much longer Jimbo is going to be around that buyout. It's a little tricky. <laughs> Slightly tricky buyout for Jimbo. All right. I think that does it for uh, Monday's reaction pod. Again, Wednesday, we'll be back. A little bit more in-depth look on UTSA. Some other fun things. Check out Burn Orange Nation for coverage all week. And we'll get you. Uh, we'll keep you updated on all the injury news. Wes Scott, appreciate it. Yep. It's hard, really, really hard.